So have you ever had anybody ask you, or do you know anybody who basically uh, says, God spoke to me? I mean, like, and not just once, but like on a regular basis. Um, it may be you. <laughs> Maybe you're, you're that person. You may be, though, here tonight, this weekend, and you may say, you know what, God's never spoken to me. I've never heard his voice. I've never had a burning bush. I, I never had God say to me, get up, get out, leave your country, leave your family, and go to a place that I'll show you like God called Abraham. That never happened to me. I've never heard that voice. I've never heard an audible voice of God. And so you may think, what's wrong with me? Why does God speak to them, but he doesn't speak to me like that? Some of you may have cried out to God. There have been times you say, God, I just, like Job, God, I just want to hear your voice. I just want you to speak to me. And, and heaven seems like it's silent. And you go, but I've talked to other people and it seems like God has spoken to them during those difficult times. Why doesn't God speak to me? Maybe you're thinking, yeah, but they're a little weird anyways. They hear voices, so I don't know if that's God or not. It could be. Who knows? What we're doing in this series is we're looking at Hebrews 11, which is called the chapter of the heroes of faith. And we're looking at particular people, and we spent a few weeks talking about Noah. This is our second week on Abraham. And Abraham's really a significant character in the Old Testament. If, if you want to understand the New Testament, understanding the life of Abraham is really key in understanding the New Testament. There's a lot of the New Testament that points back to Abraham. In fact, Abraham is significant to a lot of world religions. In fact, three of the, the major world religions hold Abraham as their father. Christianity, of course, Judaism, and Islam. They all look to Abraham as their founding father. So you have like the majority of the world religions that look back to Abraham. That's why he's such an important person to look at. So this weekend, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the life of Abraham, and we're going to just kind of delve into his life a little bit, but we're going to ask the question, does God speak today? And how does God speak today? So if you would, I'd love you to turn uh, turn in a, a, a Bible, maybe on your smart smartphone or whatever, or we have these chair Bibles, and I think it's uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It's on page 926. And let me read a passage from there. And then I'm going to probably jump back to Genesis sometime. But let me read that passage. This is Hebrews chapter 11. This is on page 926. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God showed or promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. So did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal, with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So this weekend, what we want to do is we want to look at the three critical calls of God. And they're all kind of built on one another. Uh, the first one is that Abraham had a wake-up call. Abraham had a wake-up call. You know, most most of us would say, well, I've never heard the voice of God. I've never experienced a, like a burning bush like Moses. I've never heard his voice audibly. Um, 
I've never heard a call like Abraham where God says to Abraham, get up, get out and leave your 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 security, leave your identity, leave your inheritance and just go to a place. And I'm not going to tell you where you'll know I'll direct you and you'll know when you're there. Right. The remarkable thing is not that Abraham got the call of God, but that he how he responded. And it's interesting because as you you've maybe noticed this trend that as you see God talking and calling these heroes of the faith, when God speaks, they just act. You don't hear him talking. You don't hear him arguing. You don't hear him debating. And Moses really one that you see that, but you don't see it with Noah. Uh, you don't see it with, with Abraham. He just goes. It just says he left. He went. He, went. Uh, he responded obediently to the call of God. So jump over now to Genesis chapter 12. This is on page 10 of the Chair Bible. Genesis chapter 12. And let me uh, give you that account where God speaks to Abraham. And this is the first record that we have of God calling Abraham. Again, let me refresh your memory that when you see Abram, it's Abraham. This is before God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And this is a key phrase. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you, or we, as we know, one of his descendants. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Now, maybe you've never had an experience like this, that like Abraham had. You know, God hasn't spoken audibly to you. Uh, he's never said, get up, get out, go to a place where I'll show you. But I want to show you, uh, and I want to spend some time showing you this weekend, that God is speaking to you. That God does speak to us today. That there's many ways that He speaks to us. And I just want to go through a few of those, because it may be that you, if I were to ask you today... Uh, how did God speak to you this last week? Many of you would say, I don't think he did. And I think after going through what we're going to we're going to talk about this weekend, you're going to say, OK, no, wait, wait, wait. Uh, I think God did speak to me this week and I just wasn't uh, I wasn't alert. I wasn't awake. I didn't I didn't hear his voice, but I now have the tools to be awake, to be alert, to hear his voice. So let me give you, uh, how does God speak to us? Let's answer that question. How does God speak to us? Sometimes God speaks to us when mom or dad sit down with us at night and pray with us. When they read the Bible to us. When they tell us the stories of the, the Bible. When they share how God is working in their lives. God is speaking through them to us. God uses people to speak to us. And uh, you may have been raised in a home, maybe you're being raised in a home where you have a mom or a dad who is speaking into your life. And it's God speaking through them. God is bringing his light into your heart. And so that's one way that God speaks to us. Secondly, um, if you have missed God this week in nature, I don't know what's going to wake you up. It's been beautiful. It, it, it was one of the most gorgeous weeks in the 19 years we've been here. The weather is beautiful. 
The trees are turning. Now, it's not as beautiful as the Adirondacks, but that's, you know, I mean, sorry. Uh, but it's, it's been beautiful this week, hasn't it? It's hard for, for you to go and look at the trees and look at the fields and look at the colors, the golden, the yellows, the reds, the, the oranges. Just see the beauty, the sunsets, the sunrises. And, you know, the sky was on fire last night. It was just gorgeous. And you look at that and you say, God is saying something through His creation to me. God is saying, this is an ordered world. This is a beautiful world. This is a complex world. But it's under control. That, that, that He has a plan. Uh, Paul says in Romans, and uh, if you're in a small group or if you're in a, a life group, you're going to go into this a little deeper this weekend. But Paul says in Romans 1 that God clearly shows himself through his creation. It's just like looking at a beautiful painting. When you see a painting on a wall in an art gallery or somewhere, or you see art, you say somebody created that. Somebody made that. There is an artist behind it. So when you see a sunrise or a be- that's beautiful or a sunset that's beautiful, or you look at the nature of the beautiful or the, you know, when... Well, I'm going to say the S word. Uh, in a few months, if we see that fresh snow and you drive through and you see how beautiful that is, you go, somebody goes, did he just say snow is beautiful? <laughs> yeah, I guess I did. Um, but the point is, you look at it, you say there's, there's a creator, there's a designer behind it, and God is speaking to me through nature. There's a word that he's giving to me through nature. His voice can be heard through nature. Um, how else does God speak? Sometimes God will speak to you when you read a book. Maybe it's written by a pastor or a theologian or just just somebody. It could be written by somebody who doesn't know Jesus, but they write something and it bothers you. Or they write something and it inspires you. And and you say, why am I bothered? Why am I inspired? Because God is speaking to you through that person. God speaks to us all the time through the people around us. Sometimes he does it in a negative way. Sometimes it's like this. You see somebody behaving badly and you say, that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. Right? Where did that come from? Maybe it came from your parents, but maybe it came from God. Maybe God was saying, take note. This isn't who you are. This is not, this is how, this is not how you behave. Uh, it may be somebody behaving really well and you say, that's what I want to be. That's, that's who I am. That's who I aspire to be. So God can speak through people, right? God can speak through books. He could speak through a class. You take a class and it challenges you in your faith or it grows you in your faith. It causes you to dig into the Word of God and say, what does the Lord say in His Word? Sometimes God speaks to us through trials and tribulations. That's what James says. You lose your job. And if you're a guy and you lose your job, you lose a part of your identity, right? If you've been in a job for a long time. And, you know, what do guys say when they meet each other? What's your name? Maybe what sport do you like? (laughs) But usually the second question is, what do you do? Why? Because that defines who you are as a guy, right? Or for a woman, what is it? Many times it's, uh, what's your name? Do you have any kids? Right? Families. You know, kids to find. So, so what happens though when you go into work and you've been there faithfully working for 15 years and they're downsizing or worse yet, they fire you. 
You say, who am I? Is God speaking to you at that moment? Is God saying to you something? Is he saying to you something like, yeah, you put a lot of weight in that job, didn't you? That was your that was your sole source of security. That was your sole source of identity. That was your sole source of satisfaction. You got a, a, a certain amount of satisfaction, but now that's that carpet is of your job has been ripped out from under your feet. Now you don't have that anymore. You say, or even worse, you go, you 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 struggle because, um, what am I going to do now? Where, where am I going to go? Or maybe you, maybe God speaks to you through you're struggling right now. Maybe. Maybe God is trying to speak to you right now through through a health issue that you're going through. And it's a chronic situation and the doctor doesn't think that there's any medication or anything that's really going to resolve it. Maybe it's back pain. Maybe it's migraine headaches. Maybe it's something else. But you've been going through it for a while. It says in the Bible, in the New Testament, that Paul had, we don't know what it was, a thorn in the flesh. And he asked God three times to take it from him. And God said no. Now, now hear what he says. God says, to, God says to Paul, no, I don't love you. No, he didn't say that. He says, no, three times. Why? Because when, when you are weak, then you are strong. Now, most of us don't want to hear that. But what happens when, you, when your health is challenged, when you begin to lose your health and is God speaking to you there? Is He saying, you know, your life is really a vapor. Have you figured that out yet? You know, many of us are trying to eat smart, trying to exercise, we're trying to take good care of our bodies. But you know what? You, you, it's like a conveyor belt, right? You start out and you're in your teens and you got all that energy and you got that really decent health. And then all of a sudden you get to the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. And you, you feel like, wait a minute, the conveyor belt's moving this way. And I'm going this way. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to fall off the conveyor belt one of these days. And you, you, you got to wrestle with that. And what is God saying to you in that? What is He saying to you? Or, and maybe this happened to you recently, maybe this year. You lost somebody really close to you. Maybe a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or a child. And God is speaking to you. You stood at the grave and all of a sudden it was very clear that, that life ends this side of heaven. Physical life ends this side of heaven. And, and there is life after the grave. We believe that. But, but it's a real thing. And, and we, it's hard for us not to think about our destiny. God speaks to us, hopefully, in those times. Well, you know, the, the common way that God speaks to us, He's doing right now through His Word, right? God speaks to us through His Word. Sometimes God speaks to us because uh, He wants to encourage you, because you need encouragement. So He speaks to you through His Word with encouragement when you're down. Sometimes He corrects you when you're wrong. Sometimes God speaks to you because there's something going on in your life. And it may be right now there's something going on in your life. You know it's wrong. You know God doesn't want to do it. You know chapter and verse what's going on and what God wants to change in your life. And you're wrestling God with this. And so you say, when I say to you, has God spoken to you? You say, no, God, and I haven't heard God's voice. Oh, yes, you have. 
just don't want to hear that voice. Have you have you ever had that with your mom or your dad when you were growing up and, you know, your mom or dad was calling you and you didn't want to go? You heard their and they'd say, didn't you hear me? Well, you heard them, but you didn't want to hear them. It's the same with God sometimes, isn't it? God speaks to us through 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 his word. Sometimes God guides us when we're lost through his word. See, in all of these examples, there's a voice. There's the God who is communicating. He's calling us. He's giving us a wake-up call. He's saying, I want to speak to you. It may be through a person, through the book, through my word, through creation. I want to speak to you. So I ask you the same question that I asked you as we started. Has God spoken to you this last week? Has He tried to speak to you? Have you heard His call? Will you hear it this week with the, with the knowledge that you have now? You see, we've all heard the voice of God. We've all felt His presence. We've all seen His beauty. We've all experienced His call. The real issue isn't whether we'll hear it. That's one of the issues. Whether we'll hear His voice or see His voice. The question is whether we'll obey His voice. Whether we'll allow His voice to speak to us, whether we'll really listen to him. So that's the first thing. Have you have you heard the call of God? Have you heard the call of God? All right, here's the second one. There's first the wake up call. And then the second one is his deeper call. That sometimes God doesn't just call us uh, to wake up. <laughs> By the way, you, you, we all need a wake up call. Every one of us needs a spiritual wake up call. Because if we don't have a spiritual wake-up call, the Bible says we're spiritually dead. And we'll look at creation and think, well, that's all there is. And we'll look at a loss of a job and say, I got robbed. And we'll, so, so when, when, when our eyes are focused just here and now, and our eyes aren't up, and we don't have that, that, that eyes-up vision, that eternal home vision that, that Abraham has, then uh, we'll, we'll not hear the voice of God. So there has to be that wake-up call. There has to be that wake-up call. Um, now, last week we talked about how God called Abraham to leave his comfort, his security, and his identity. We talked about that, right? And so God said to Abraham in, in Genesis 12, leave and go. And Abraham says to him, where? And God says, I'll show you, right? That's Genesis 12. God says, leave, get your stuff, and go. And Abraham says, where? And it doesn't really say it in the text, but essentially God says, I'll show you. Um, God tells uh, Abraham. Now, one of the things that God tells Abraham in Genesis 12 is, uh, I want you to go. There's going to be a, 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 some, I'm going to give you land. He, he eventually tells him there's going to be a piece of land. But the other thing he tells him is you're going to have a lot of descendants. You're going to have more than the stars of the sky. If you go to Genesis 15, he literally says that to Abraham. He says, Look at the star. You, you can't count them. That's how many children you're going to have. That doesn't mean he's going to have all those children. His descendants, okay, his, his, his descendants. So, and we know that as Judaism today, and, and the, you know, millions and millions of Jews have lived, right? So, that being said, so he says, you're going to have all these children. Here's the problem. He and Sarah, his wife, can't have kids. I mean, they've tried, but they can't, to the life of them, they can't. Find a way. They, they, they haven't had a son. And so God, Abraham says to God, 
how can I have all these descendants when I don't even have descendant number one, a son? I need to have that, and I don't have it. Well, it's a good question. And God says, what does he say? He says, trust me. Trust me, I'll show you. And you read the scripture, and Sarah's old, and Abraham is old, and all of a sudden they have a son. Well, let's look at that passage. Page 12, it's Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Genesis 12, or Genesis 15, page 12. So God's speaking again to Abram, Abraham, and he says this. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. Uh, I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, Oh, sovereign Lord, what good is all your blessing (coughs) when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him. Excuse me. Then the Lord said to him. "Uh, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham, Abram, outside and said to him, look up in the sky And count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. So, that's first he calls him, get up, get out, and go to a place I'll show you. Then he says, you're going to have a lot of sons. And this time has transpired between Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. And Abraham still doesn't have a son. And God says, count the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Then the third call is... God takes the son. So Abraham and Sarah have a son. And God says to Abraham, he says, take your son, the one whom you love, the son of promise, take him to the place that I'll show you and offer him as a sacrifice to me. Okay. And and Abraham says, why? What? Where? And God says, I'll show you. Trust me. Uh, look at uh, page 17. This is Genesis 22. Genesis 22, page 17. Now, God isn't interested in your faith remaining static. He is always going to challenge you to grow in your faith. Always. He's going to challenge you. And this is what He does. Look at chapter 22, verse 1 on page 17. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, He replied, here I am. Take your son... Your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, Morah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. (laughs) Can you imagine that? I mean, this is the golden child. This is the one they've been waiting for, who's had so much trouble having this child. And now God says, I want you to offer him. You love him so much, and that's great. But here's the thing. I want you take a step of faith now what you notice on each one of these calls and maybe you noticed it each one of these calls is a deeper call each one of these calls is a deeper call god makes a promise to abraham and he says you leave your country leave your security leave your inheritance and come to a place well that's a call 
And that's a significant call. But then God says, you're going to have a lot of children. Well, Abraham is an old, is old, and Sarah is old. So this is a huge problem for them. And, and but Abraham trusts him, and then God gives him a son, right? And then He brings him to the deepest call. And the deepest call is take your son, climb the mountain, and offer your son. Now that wasn't the first call. It wasn't the second call. It was the third call. And Abraham had to grow and take steps. To go deeper with God in his faith. And, and, and that's a significant thing going on here. Be, you know, it was Abraham a paragon of virtue and morality? No, he wasn't. But he, what he was, was a person who took steps little by little and, to, and had a closer and closer, more faith-based walk with God. Abraham was a person of faith because he continually took steps to go deeper and deeper with God. And here's the point I want you to see. God is calling you to a deeper walk with him. And I want to ask you, are you following? Are you taking those steps? See, many people, many Christians think that uh, they get to a certain level of a walk with God and then it it becomes stagnant. You don't go any further. Um, they want a little direction. They want a little advice. They get it. They might. In other words, they treat God like a consultant. So God is there to kind of throw way in. So when you are thinking of a job or thinking of moving or thinking of getting married or thinking of taking a major step, you bring God in as a consultant and you say, God, what do you think? What What is your best Best advice that you can give me. Now, you need to understand, God, that when you give me this advice, I may or may not obey it. I just need you to be my consultant. Have you ever had that with a friend where they ask for your advice and you give them your advice and you think it's biblically based or you think it's good advice and they, they kind of look at you and say, well, thanks for that. And you know, you know without a doubt they are not going to follow your advice. They're going to do their own thing. And you, you can't, well, how do you feel? You go, why did I even bother giving you my advice? You're not going to listen. Well, that's the way God feels, I think. When He calls you, He expects you to respond with faith. And here's what happens. When you don't respond to that call, you don't remain neutral. Can I say that one more time so that you understand that? There are a number of Christians that feel that God, you're at a place in your walk with God, in your faith walk with God, where God has called you and He's brought something up. He's called you. He's spoken to you. You know what the issue is and you have basically said to God, no, not yet, someday, not today. And we think, many Christians think, that doesn't matter. One day I will take care of that. And we think that we're remaining neutral at that point in our relationship with God. But you're not. You're not. The question I have is, when you question God, when you fight God, when you look for other consultants and you reject His call, you walk away from Him. Let me, let me read you. You know, I don't have this 
this is another one of the passages we're going to look at in the life groups this weekend. But write it down. I'll read it to you and then you can write it down. It's Romans chapter 1. The context of Romans 1 in the middle of the chapter is Paul is saying this. He's saying God has revealed himself through the creation to the point that there's not one person that's ever lived on this planet that has an excuse for not looking and and at least acknowledging there's somebody behind it. That's what he's saying. But notice what he says. This is uh, verse chapter 1, verse 24. This is what God says. And this is troubling. This is troubling. Verse 21 says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him in God or even give Him thanks. In other words, what it's saying is, God has revealed Himself to them. God has called out to them. And they've ignored His call. They've ignored His voice. So what does God do? Does He keep calling? Look at verse 24. So God abandoned them. To do whatever shameful things their heart desired. I just want to say to you that if God has been calling out to you, if He's been speaking to you, if He's been calling you to go deeper with Him, and you keep fighting Him and arguing Him or treating Him like a consultant, when you do that, you don't just remain neutral. You take steps backward. God pulls the light away from you. It's really important that you hear that. When God gives you the light of His Word, you can either obey it and go deeper, or you can reject the call, you can reject His Word, but what will happen is God will pull that away. And so I want to ask you, do you feel close to God right now? Closer to God? Do you feel like you're growing closer? Or do you feel like God is further and further and further away? The answer to that question is, what have you done when God has called you and you've heard His voice, you know what He wants you to do, what have you done? Have you treated Him like a consultant? When you you said, God, someday, one day, maybe, I don't know. At that point, after a while, God says, alright, you go your way then. See, The point is, you don't remain static in your relationship with God. You're either moving into a deeper relationship or you're moving further and further away from God. That's why you feel like God has moved away. Because you came to an issue and you said no. And at some point, God says, okay, then I'm moving away. So we have the wake-up call. We have the deeper call. And God is, in key, does, God is interested in you remaining the same. God wants to call you to a deeper walk with Him. And each of us knows what the issue is in our life, but we're just not taking it seriously. We're treating God like a consultant. We're saying, God, well, someday maybe, you know, if, if I feel like it. I'm busy. i got a lot going on. God says, okay, fine. I'll just pull away. And then we wonder why we're further and further away from God. We're wondering why we're not hearing his voice anymore. There's one last point I want to talk about, his last call. The, the interesting part of that uh, verse that we looked at in Hebrews says that Abraham has, had his eyes up. He, he saw that 
eternal kingdom. He had his eyes up. Um, he believed that God's best promises were yet to come. He believed that whatever the promises God made him on this earth, even if they weren't uh, played out completely, and he knew they couldn't possibly be, as it went further and further and walked deeper and deeper with God, he knew that most of the promises that God made to him weren't going to, he wasn't going to see them in his lifetime. But that didn't matter because he was looking to a kingdom beyond this world. So his eyes were up, his eyes were looking eternally. So Abraham saw the world as God does, and he learned obedience, and he saw the powerful of hand of God everywhere in his life. He was able to see a miraculous birth of his son. He was able to see how God miraculously uh, did that. And one of the greatest moments in Abraham's life is when God told Abraham to take his son up on the mountain and offer him. And this shows us just, just the, the trust that Abraham had because he had a lifetime of walking with God, taking those deeper and deeper steps. By the way, I don't think Abraham's walk was like this. I think it was more like this, okay? It wasn't perfect. It, it, it had its ups and downs. But ultimately, as you look at it, it probably was like this. <laughs> and I also want to say to you that that's probably the way it looks in your life. And, and I also want to say that, that uh, you should be able to look at your life on a year-by-year basis and saying, I'm walking in a deeper walk with God this year than I was last year. All right. So, uh, I want you to turn uh, to Genesis chapter 26 again, page 17. So, Abraham uh, is now, the servants have brought the materials but Abraham and his son are carrying the wood and the stuff for the sacrifice up on the mountain. And I want to pick up that text. Genesis chapter 22, verse 6. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. And while he himself carried the fire in the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac, this is the son, the, promise, the son of promise, uh, t- turned to Abraham, his father, And he said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood. The boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Notice what Abraham says. If you have a Bible, whether it's on your phone or whether it's written, you should underline this verse. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. What Abraham sees here is this, that somehow or another, God has a plan. And he's walked with God long enough to know that whatever God's plan is, he can trust. And that's really what it comes down to with us, isn't it? When God is challenging you with something in your life, it's because he wants you to let go of the grip that you're holding on. And will you trust him with it? For Abraham, the grip had become very almost like a death grip on his son. And God was saying to Abraham, you've got to loosen that death grip on your son. You, you have to let go of your son. You have to fully give him to me. If you're not willing to do that, uh, we're, we're in trouble here. But that phrase is so important. God, and it shows the depth of Abraham's faith. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. That's faith. Um, but that is faith that's been forged over a lifetime. And, and if you read on in the story, it's miraculous. You see there's a lamb or there's a ram caught in the thicket and they're able to use the lamb and offer that sacrifice. And it's interesting because when Jesus came to earth, 
when John saw him, he said, behold, the what? Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. And so we would say, in the same way that God provided a lamb for Abraham, for the sacrifice that he required, in the same way God provided the ultimate, the final, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave his life on the cross. He became the Lamb. The interesting thing is when Abraham went to offer his son, he raised the knife and was about ready to lower it on his son and kill his son. And God stopped him. When Jesus was on the cross, uh, the knife came down. And Jesus was pierced and he gave his life. He shed his blood and gave his body. Here's the point. We all need a lamb for our sin. We all need a savior. And when we place our trust in Jesus as our lamb of God, we are forgiven. And interestingly enough, it says that we're, our names are recorded in the book of life. That, that's an interesting phrase, and you should do a study on it sometime. Just do the study on the book of life. Um, I want to close with a passage because it talks about... So we've looked at that God has a wake-up call for us, right? We, we talked about how God has a deeper call. He calls us deeper and deeper. But then... One day, for every person that's ever walked on this planet, there's going to be a wake-up call. Uh, There's going to be a final call. Uh, Notice what he says. This is Revelation chapter 20. It's on page 961. 961, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. It says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is called, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. How do you get your name written in the book of life? You don't get it by being a good person living a good life, believing in God, going to church, serving, giving your money. You, know, you don't get it that way. You get it by calling upon the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away your sins. And the Bible says that the, the day that we cross that line by faith and we call upon Jesus because He gave His life to us, so we, as sinners, say, I'm a sinner and I give my life to you just like the thief on the cross, right, Jesus Remember me today. I'm, I'm helpless and hopeless. And uh, unless you come and save me, I'm dead. And so we do that. We say, I'm dead. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. But when the Bible says that as he gave his life to us and we give our life to him, the Bible says at that moment, our names are recorded in the book of life. Eternal life. So I close with one question. Is your name in the book? Is your name in the book of life? Because one day, that's going to be the one question. Is your name in the book? Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you do speak to us today. Thank you that you speak to us through various means, through nature, through people, through your word, through the indwelling Holy Spirit, through your son, Jesus Christ through sickness and trials, 
There's so many ways that you speak to us. And it may be, Father, this week, even in the last month, we have not even heard your voice or your call. Help us to hear your wake-up call this week. Father, thank you for the fact that you call us not just for a stagnant life here and now, but a deeper, deeper walk with you. Some here this weekend, Father, have heard this call. They know what the issue is, but they've treated you like a consultant. They keep putting it off. They know what they need to do, but they will not do it. And maybe for the first time they realize that they're not moving towards you and they're not remaining in the same place with you, but they are slipping back. May today be the day they repent and start treating you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. May they kneel to you and call out to you for mercy and grace and forgiveness. And may they actively obey. Father, I pray that everyone in this room would know without a doubt their name is recorded in the book of life. Not because of anything they have done or are trying to do, but because of what you did by sending your Son, and what Jesus did by giving his life, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. We love you because you first loved us. And Father, if there's anyone here today who's not sure, I just pray that they would speak to somebody, maybe me or someone they came with, and ask, how can I know? How can I find out? Because your word tells us in John's gospel, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. That your name is written in the book of life. May we walk this week, Father, with our eyes up and our ears opened to your voice, to your call. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.